something spooktacular is coming. It's SeaWorld's Halloween Spooktacular. With trick-or-treat fun and a Halloween show starring everyone's favorite Sesame Street friends. Plus, kids can come in costumes. Halloween Spooktacular is included with submission. So join the fun. Weekend September 23rd to October 29th at SeaWorld. Get three months free when you buy an annual pass. Restrictions apply. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit. With subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio. I'm glad you joined us tonight. Whatever time zone you're calling from and whatever part of the world that you're calling from, we're delighted to have you here tonight. And uh, Dr. Frank Sumrall is is uh, doing uh, uh, continuing his series on healing. It's called Healing is the Children's Bread, and he's been in the ministry for over 50 years, a mighty, mighty man of God, and we're looking forward to having him share again tonight. So I'm going to answer his call, and with no further ado, uh, Dr. Frank, please take your liberty in the Holy Ghost. Let me get your call here. Thank and you very much. You're, live on the air. you're welcome, yes. Well, good. Have a wonderful, wonderful night. We will have a great one tonight. Yes. God is I'm doing excited. things all throughout the earth. I'm telling you, it gets better all the time. See, I'm believing that in these last days, it has to do with the moment of time we're in. In that moment of time that we're in right now, the segment of time we're in, the acceleration of time is so great. And here's the reason why all these things are happening. For example, wars, and wars everywhere, all over the world, wars, rumors of wars. And then on the other side, there's a great healing revival, the blessing, the anointing, the glory, the victory, the life, the beauty, the excitement that God has for us. So the enemy of our souls is trying to hinder the children of God, trying to take our testimony from us, trying to hurt us. But Jesus said, he said, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them from them all. So if he delivers them from them all, that means we can be set free, body, soul, and spirit. The reason I have titled this Healing of the Children's Bread, because there in Mark chapter 7, verses 25 to 30, talks about a Syrophoenician woman that's of Greek descent. And she comes, and she has a daughter that's tormented to the devil, and she wants Jesus to touch her daughter. And Jesus said, is it proper to take the bread of the children and give it to dogs? Now, the reason he called her that, because she was not Jewish. And that's what they called everybody around them. That's what they termed their, you know, who they were, the Syrophoenician woman. But then this woman responded and said, yes, Lord, but the dogs, eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Oh, I've got news for you. We don't need a crumb. We don't need just a little piece. I mean, he gives you a loaf. He can give you a piece of bread. He, uh, he is the living bread. So we can have what the Lord says we can have. So healing is the children's bread. That means if you're a child of God, born again, you love Jesus, 
with all your heart. Healing belongs to you today. Now, see, what religion does, religion takes out the now and keeps you in the past. Past is all right, and the future is all right. I don't know how many people are that, you know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. That's true. But what's happening right now on the earth? What are we doing right now at this time? So we have the privileges by the word of God to lay our hands on the sick to see them recover and various ways that Jesus dealt with people. Now, as we center on the fact of healing, here's the question, is healing in the atonement? By the atonement, we mean the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is healing for us today. But the prophet Isaiah said, he said, he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of the peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, to that point in time, they didn't know what stripes were. What he was speaking about was the flagellation that would take place on his back. The Romans did that. They were the only people that did that. And they would take a whip. There would be pieces of bone in there, very sharp instruments in there, and they would whip. And the most they could do was 39. They could only give them 39 lashes. But hardly anybody lived past that. And so they had somebody count as the whip was crossing the back, crisscrossing the back, pulling out great chunks of meat. Impossible to even describe. Even the Passion of the Christ couldn't even get close to what the actuality of what happened. One of the scripture tells us that they plowed on his back like a plow, made furrows deep on his back. Now, I believe that the wounds of Jesus are efficacious. That means they will be eternal. You'll see the scars in his hands. You'll see the scars in his forehead with the crown thorns. His side holes in his feet all of the things that he went through and yes the stripes upon his back so when Isaiah prophesied that he said and with and by his stripes we are healed oh that's a wonderful thing because healing belongs to us today those of you that are sick out there in the name of Jesus I proclaim you healed Receive your healing today of any sickness and every sickness makes no difference. What it is, our God is a healing God. Uh, Just about a week ago, some of my friends from the Indianapolis area had a lady on the phone that was in intensive care. And she had pancreatic cancer. So we were praying for her, praying for her. And as we prayed, the Spirit of God begin to get very strong, very wonderful, very beautiful. And within a few days, she left the hospital. She's doing better than she's ever done. So the Lord is touching people everywhere. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee, and that's in 1526. So again, in our lives, in my life, hearing these stories from my grandmother and all the way through how that they were healed. Her grandpa was healed. His name is Grandpa Chandler. i just give you a little short one on this. Grandpa Chandler was walking downtown. One of the southern towns. I don't know exactly which one it was. It was a southern town. And anyway, he had a stroke. They had to pick him up and carry him home. 
And they took him and put him in bed. But while doing that, then they asked for the lady's prayer group. I tell you, that's a mighty force right there. The lady's prayer group got around, and they were making some noise, asking God to intervene on his behalf. Just across from them was a man who deemed himself, recalled himself, an atheist. And so that man called over my aunt and said, well, what are they doing to the old man? He said, oh, they're praying for him. And then he began to mock. He said, okay, you mean after he's healed, he's gonna, I bet he's going to jump that tin rail fence. And just was mocking and carrying on. So after that period of time, the next day, Grandpa went to sleep. But he woke up here. <laughs> he forgot what happened to him the day before, how that he was totally paralyzed. Couldn't move. His arms couldn't move. His legs couldn't move. He couldn't get himself in and out of bed. He jumped out of bed, got his pants on, looking around the garden was back there. He felt so vim and had vigor in him that he jumped that ten rail fence. When that happened, that atheist saw that and cried out. He said, bring your mama here. you got to go bring your mama here. So Grandma went over there and said, well, what do you need, mister? He said, I've seen the hand of God. I want to become a Christian. I want to serve Jesus. And that power that touched Grandpa Chandler, that man got saved by seeing what God did, taking the complete action of the stroke away from him. That grandma somehow, well, yeah, she had a condition. She had cancer of both breasts. And uh, it was an amazing thing. Doctors had given her up to die. She couldn't live. She had these terrible cancerous things, so they put gauze over them. And she was in unbelievable pain all the time. The pain was excruciating. So her husband... He wasn't a Christian. He just knew that she complained a lot and she was hurting a lot. And so he, after a few days, then about a week later, she had a dream that Jesus came and visited her and touched her breast. And uh, she didn't think anything more about it. Well, after more than a week, a week and a half or so, he began to say, he said, he said, uh, what happened, Mom? What happened to your your chest area? He said, well, I don't know. It doesn't hurt anymore. And when she took off the gauze, there were in both sides a little thing looking like an octopus, but it was black, which was the cancerous growth on both sides of her breast. So she got healed. And my dad got healed of tuberculosis. He had a dream. God touched him. God set him free. Instantly. Myself, I studied from the time I was on the 10th year. I got healed. By his power. We're receiving healing all the time. Now, I'm reminded of some interesting stories. R.W. Shabbat, he's gone to be with the Lord. He had a crusade in the Chicago area. And uh, this lady come up and said, uh, Brother Shabbat, they said, you said if we would take the things like clothing and articles and all that, and if you send them to your, your relatives, then they'll be free. He said, yeah, I said that. According to the scripture, yes, that's true. She said, well, I've got a bag here of M&Ms. He said, no, what are you talking about? She said, you anoint those M&Ms because they've taken away every cloth I ever sent my sister, and my sister's been in the institution for years. So pray over those M&Ms. And she eats those M&Ms. I believe she's going to be healed. Two years later, he comes back to the same area as the tent meeting. 
The lady comes up there with this fine-looking lady. He said, do you remember me? He said, now, lady, I see so many people, I can hardly remember who who I am. <laughs> and so she began to explain, says, I'm the one that gave you the M&Ms to pray for my sister. As he said, wow. He said, I remember that. He said, that's the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. He said, well, here's my sister. As she ate the M&Ms, she was totally free in her mind. Her mind came back together. She was instantly touched by the power of God. So God can touch and heal in various ways. How he wants to heal his people and set them wonderfully, gloriously free. In the scripture, talks about his Jehovah Rapha. That's Exodus fifteen twenty six, which says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, that's pretty strong right there. I am the Lord. When he speaking of himself, I am the Lord. Talking about the different ways of sicknesses. Now, I've seen sickness all over the world. I've seen people that have had every kind of disease mentionable, every time. And uh, one of the, we, we had a man of God years ago. I believe he's passed on to be with the Lord. But he would have such gifts that God would operate through him. And I saw these, because I was a little boy. And I saw that when he prayed for people, if they had a goiter, they would instantly disappear. Goiters would instantly disappear. It, 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 in fact, the neck would become very fleshly after that. So we have seen miracles. I've seen legs grow out. The people that have been deaf, I've seen, they've been healed. People that were blind have been healed. The lame were walking and running. It's about everything you have. Then I have seen miracles in the last few years that uh, I, I was praying for somebody in Ohio and uh, had a wonderful service. I forget what city he was in right now. But anyway, I had a wonderful service. The power of God touched this woman, and she, she just made it so much noise. I said, uh, lady, what happened to you? She says, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute. So she grabbed her friend, went to the bathroom, had things checked out. She says, you don't know, but I had a cancerous growth taken out of my rib. They had to cut, cut away part of my rib. And while you prayed, grew back. That rib. <laughs> Didn't have anything to do with me. It just, in these days, we're going to see these things in greater. That's called a creative miracle. We're going to see creative miracles. We're going to have his power. We're going to have his spirit. We're going to have his anointing. We're going to walk in his glory. We're going to know and see and feel the mighty touch of the master. My, my, my. We're going to see it. We're going to know it. We're going to know that. So I believe the word. I believe the word from the Old Testament to the New Testament, what it says. So in the Old Testament, the people were healed by obedience. When a man or a prophet of God would tell them what to do, and they did it, they were healed. Whatever they said what was to do, they did it. Healing came. Healing came in a marvelous way. But in the seasons that we live right now, having to do with the fact after the cross, after the resurrection, we have so much more than anyone has ever imagined. I've seen so many marvelous things that God has done and will continue to do. 
how people have had back pains and neck pains and all kinds of pains through their body and God's instantly. One of the things that happened was out in California. I was out in the northern part of California, and I was praying for people, and they brought this lady in, and she had rheumatoid arthritis. That's pretty bad. The doctor said the next step for her was going to be in a wheelchair. And we had a marvelous service that night. I said, well, why don't you bring that lady here? We anointed her with oil. We laid our hands on her, and she went out under the spirit. That means when I touched her, the power of God here, she went down, out, <laughs> just out. <laughs> she stayed on the floor maybe about 20 minutes or so. She jumped off that floor. Her husband was behind her. And she started jumping up and down and moving like she never moved before in her life. And I said, how often does she do this? He said, she hasn't been able to do that in over 20 years. <laughs> I'm telling you, this blows our mind. Because the miracle that God wants to perform through comes from the heart. It's to bring them to Jesus. It's to set them free. It's to declare his glory. It's to declare his power and his majesty, which he wants to show to mankind. How wonderful. How blessed. Again, I'll read that. Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. Five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his we are healed. You, you possibly even sung that song. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely he bore our sorrows. And by his stripes we are healed. How wonderful. So we could talk on this particular subject for such a long time, having to do with the fact that we have seen miracles everywhere. We have been to hospitals and prayed for people. We have been to the places around the world that people need the healing, and we've seen God do it in such a wonderful, beautiful, glorious way. And we're seeing more every day. We see them all the time. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Lord. You see, every day is a day. That is an anointing, really. Every day is anointed and appointed to bring the healing message to the people of the world. Why? Because Hebrews 13 and 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you what. It's going to get greater and better all the time. Now, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here in Job, look in Job, one of the amazing things talks about the fact that your confession will bring your healing. Look look at this. Look at this. Now, there's been a lot of questions in regard to Job's situation. What about Mr. Job? Well, we know he lived. We know he died. But he had a lot to say. And Mr. Job is, is actually Job. The book of Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. And Listen to what it says here. That means the confession from your mouth will bring a healing to your body. What we're going to deal with is what happened to Job. Now, we know there was a contest, and God says, okay, you can do everything, but you can't kill him. And in that third 
chapter, speaking about different things having to do with the relationship of Job, in Job chapter 3 gives the import of the whole thing. And notice, it, it's, it's so amazing because that's how the enemy works on us. He gets us to keep on saying that we're sick. He gets us to keep on saying that we have this, we have that, we have the others. Uh, you know, all these other things. Okay, look at uh, over here at, uh, uh, this is an amazing scripture here. In Job chapter 3, verse 25. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come to me. Now notice what his mouth said. Look at verse 26. I was not in safety. That was a lie. Neither had I rest. That was a lie. Neither was I quiet. Yet trouble came. What does that mean? That means by the confession of your mouth, you can have what you say. And his confession he started believing and started going over that in his mind. And that brought him to a situation to where the enemy came in to deceive him. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 1, listen to verse 2. It said, you are snared with the words of your mouth. Get this. And you are taken. That's a word for captivity. You are taken with the words of your mouth. That means we have to be very careful what we say. Whatever attacks us, we have to repel the attack. Now, uh, some of you might not know, but just here in February, I, I was extremely sick. I had, had high blood pressure and had some other problems, and and I was put in the hospital and intensive care, stayed there for several days. And it just looked like the enemy was going to run all over me. So and one night in the intensive care, it, it got pretty bad. I was feeling, I, I just felt like darkness was all around me. And so what happened from that, a nurse told me the next day, says, sir, your heartbeat went down so low, it was 30 beats a minute. Now, if you had gone down to 25, you would have died. So when she left the room, I said, would you please, and when you just close the door? And so she did that. She didn't understand what I was going to do. I got up out of that bed. I stood where, on the outside of the bed there. I said, devil, in the name of Jesus. In my spirit, the word came up and said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. <laughs> Everyone. I said, get out of this room. Get out of my body. You will not attack me again. And then I felt something lift. It started going. I started feeling better. So I called my wife. I said, Karen, get me out of this place. Now, I don't suggest for anyone to have a vacation in the hospital. That doesn't work. It does not work. So only when I was released, I got better and better and better. And now I'm better than I have been in a long time. So I just finished walking three miles this morning. So I'm going to be strong. I'm in health. <laughs> and it said, as your soul prospers, that's what God wants to do for you and through you and around you and in you and all these good things, I'm telling you what, it just gets better all the time. Now, what are we going to do? It has to do with the fact that your confession, the things that you're saying with your mouth, I believe, I believe I'm healed. I believe I'm free. I believe the anointing of God's on me. I thank you, Lord. Now, notice in the life of Jesus, this is in Luke chapter 4. It's so powerful because what was prophesied all the time from Isaiah Ah, this is what it says in Luke chapter 4, and you know where I'm going. 
he, Jesus said this. This was his platform. He spoke these words out. He knew where it was written. He looked for the place where it was written. This is in the fourth chapter. They gave him the book to read. And so, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue. And notice what he said. Uh, verse 15, he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He came to Nazareth, where he had up, as his custom was. That means that Jesus went to church. As his custom was, in the synagogue on the Sabbath, he delivered him the book of Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. How did he find it? Because he knew it was there. Because he was a student of the word. And so listen to what he said. This is what the word of God says. Verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captive. Recovering of the sight of the blind. To set at liberty all those that are bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, what an amazing word. He said that in his own home church. And then when he sat down, he said, this day, this has been fulfilled in your ears. Verse 21. And they said to themselves, they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And so what happened? <laughs> oh, they were filled with wrath and they took him out of the, the synagogue and they wanted to throw him off of the hill, cast him down headlong. But here, because <laughs> he was not his time to go. Verse 30, but he passing through the midst of them went his way. Now, see, they took him to be the hometown boy. Anytime familiarity with a person, you're so close to a certain person. And they're operating in the gifts of the power of God. That will hinder the operation of the Spirit of God. Will hinder it. And so we see from that time on, Jesus spoke with authority. Speaking, causing miracles to take place. Causing the power of God to be in operation. Oh, this is so great. Because, you know, actually John says that if all the things that were written about him, the world could not even contain the books therein. That's how many were there. Amazing in itself. I just wanted to take you to place here. One of the favorite books of mine through the scripture is the book of Mark. Because Mark was written to the Romans. And the Romans were in action all the time. Everything having to do with them is action. So the power of God, God's anointing and his glory and everything about it, everything was there just automatically. And so when that happened, no matter what kind of situation, no matter what kind of problem, Jesus was there causing healing and miracles and causing these things to happen. All right? The same thing talking about when Jesus had to leave Nazareth. When he left Nazareth, he said he marveled. He could do no mighty work there. Save just a few sick folk, he healed them. Probably because of their unbelief. And he went around the villages teaching. This is uh, chapter 6 of Mark and verse 6. He called again and talked and gave them power over all the works of the enemy. 
cast out devils, anoint them with oil, although it's sick and heal them. So it even gets greater as the story goes. Now, what we have here is Jesus showing who he is. I love the operation and what God does through the lives and shows his things. Now, we're going to look at some interesting thing here. Look over here at Mark chapter 10. And this begins in about verse 46. And they came to Jericho. Now, this was the last time that he was coming. He was on his way to the cross. They came to Jericho and went out of Jericho, and his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat beside the highway side begging. But when he heard it's Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. That means you, you, you really don't need to be heard. He doesn't want to listen to you. But he cried out the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy. He actually, what he was doing when he said son of David, he said, you are the Messiah. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of Lords. I know that. And then they said, be of good cheer. Jesus stood still. He said, call him. Call the blind man to come to him. And what did he do first? He cast away his garment. <laughs> The garment that identified him to be a beggar, to be blind, to be a person that would never have any money in his life, to be a person that wouldn't have any joy. He couldn't see his mama. He couldn't see his daddy. He couldn't see his brothers. He couldn't see anything at all. He was blind from birth. But Jesus, (laughs) thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whatever sickness, whatever disease that you're facing, he's the answer to it. Answer to all your problems. And then he cast away his garment. He rose. He came to Jesus. And Jesus answered, said, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, I might receive my sight. And look at verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, go your way, your faith. Now, there you go. It's your faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that God has given to every man the measure of faith. The only way we increase the faith is by reading the Word, studying the Word, letting that Word become part of us, letting the power of God flow through us as the Word. You see, we read a lot of stories about Smith Wigglesworth, but did you know the only book he ever read, only stayed with, was the Bible? He wouldn't read anything else. He would not read another periodical. He would not read what anybody else had to say. He stayed with the word of God. That's why he had so many miracles. That's why people were raised from the dead. That's why the tremendous stories told about him today, the apostle of faith, you ought to read that book right there. That'll fire you up, like about John Lake and about different men all over the world. They were moved on by the Holy Ghost to lay their hands on people. I tell you what, <laughs> yeah, maybe just before the end of the program, I'm going to tell an amazing story about Smith Wigglesworth. They'll just have you spellbound. They really will. Now, as we see that, when it happened, he said, your faith has made you whole. And immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. And wasn't that totally different than the man that he put mud in his eye and he had to go wash in the pool of Siloam? So the variations that Jesus had in dealing with people, he didn't do it just one way all the time. 
whatever the Spirit tells us to do, we shall and will do. Our God is an awesome God. He causes us to walk in his favor, in his power, in his blessing, his anointing. Now, I'm speaking to all those right now. If you have any pain in your body, I'm going to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We're going to see the power of God touch you. We're going to feel the Lord touch you right now. Oh, because it says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. He didn't change that. He did not rescind that mandate of heaven. Jesus did not rescind the mandate of heaven. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. How he touches us and heals us and sets us free. Now, you know, so many people come and ask so many questions and direct that, but here's what he says. In the last thing that he said before he went back to heaven, here's what the Great Commission was. In verse 15, he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. He that believeth is baptized, he believeth not, they be damned. And these signs, what are these signs? Notice all the different signs. Signs shall follow them that who that believe. How? In my name they shall do that. They cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. And the, here, here's the thing right here that's amazing here. When they're talking about here about verse 18, that means if they come in contact with serpents, you're not to pick them up. You're not to test your faith by saying, oh, if I get bitten 48 times, I'm going to live. No, that's not the deal. No, that's not the deal, Lucille. Uh-uh, not that way at all. But listen to what it said. It said, if that happens, perchance, if that takes place, and if they, uh, anything that they serve them would be deadly, it will not hurt them. Then it goes on to say, they shall, who they? The believers shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We had an interesting thing happen in the Philippines quite young then. And so what actually took place was that we had a maid. And she thought the man had come from the church and gave us the most beautiful fish. So she cooked it up. It smelled any different than those fish. I mean, it was, you know, a big old grouper or whatever, like a huge fish. Cut it up, and we sat down, and we started eating. And every one of us at the table got sick. Every one of us got sick. And so uh, we had to use the bathroom. We got sick to our stomach, all the variations of sickness, everything else. And so Dad went around and prayed for everybody and commanded that sickness to go. And so we had a service. That was Saturday. The next day, Sunday, we all showed up at church. Running from the back with this man, dark complected. I need to tell you something. Now, that's quite unusual in church. People usually don't do that. He said, I'm the one that brought you the fish, and I put more poison in that fish than you possibly could imagine. I put enough to kill horses in that fish. But here, you're all well. You're all healed. You don't look like you had any effect at all. And he, that morning, gave his heart to the Lord. And that night he brought his whole family to God. He'd done this. Because he didn't believe that we were telling the truth. And so that man was saved. He was healed. He was blessed. He brought his family. started a great revival. So we have experienced some of those things there. Even poison came into our system. And it could not take us out. 
several years back, I was in Indonesia, a very primitive area, and uh, I had uh, had very high fever. I was supposed to preach that night. Well, the only way we could get to the next place, we had to walk there several miles. We had to walk these miles, and I was just burning up with a fever. But as I walked, I started quoting the Word of God, quoting the Word of God, believing, believing, believing. And the devil kept on saying, I'm going to kill you tonight. I'm going to kill you tonight. I'm going to... Now I said, no, you're not. I'm going to be free. I'm going to preach. I'm going to have a great time. People are going to be saved. They're going to be healed. They're going to be delivered. That's what I said all the time, every step I took. And even though my body didn't feel like it. So I got into the pulpit. They had a little makeshift pulpit there. And I started preaching from my heart. I preached about how Jesus came. How Jesus kept to save them. If they had been the only ones on the earth, he would have saved them. He would have set them free. And as my tears were just rolling off my face, I could feel the fever leaving me. Next day, the doctor came through the town. He said, I want to see that sick missionary. He said, he's not sick anymore. He said, you must have had a touch of malaria. He said, your fever was so high. That's what everybody said because everyone felt, ooh, it's very hot. Anyway, the devil couldn't take me out then, and he can't take me out now. Because I'm stronger now than I ever have been. Glory to God. So if you're sick in any part of your body, you can and will be healed by his power. I love what the Lord does. He heals. He sets free. He delivers the captive. Oh, how wonderful, how wonderful, how wonderful is his love for me. And his power, his majesty, all the way through the word of God, we're told of so many miracles. And like John said, this, there's so many miracles happened here. Now, we're going to deal with something on the other side of the cross, on the other side of the resurrection. The first miracle that took place was in Acts chapter 3. Turn over to Acts chapter 3. Hallelujah. I feel anointing touching you right now. I feel the power of God touching you right now. You say, it's mine. I receive it now. And you'll say that. You'll have it. You'll have it. Right now, you can have it. Right. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, all those listening right now, if you want to send a prayer cloth, I'm at 12808 Adventure Drive, Riverview, one word, Florida, 33579. Send us. I'll anoint it with oil, send it back to you. So give it an address, a return address, and we will see God work in you. Give him all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. Hallelujah. We're going to see that happen. You've seen it happen all over the world. So why not here? Why not here? Why not here with the good USA? God is blessing and healing all over the world. We're seeing people heal, touch, save, deliver, letting the power of Almighty God touch you. Oh, from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. That means from the tip top of your head all the way down to your toes. Hallelujah. We are the healed of the Lord. Glory to God. In Acts chapter 3, we have an amazing story. They have just had the day of Pentecost. It, it fully come. The Spirit of God came on them and started speaking in tongues. They, these are not drunk at you supports. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is that which is prophesied by the prophet Joel. Read that whole chapter there. Then in chapter 3, Peter and John went up together into the temple of the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Well, early in the morning, at the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, 
was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Now, the amazing thing about this, every time Jesus went to the temple, he probably saw that man, but he didn't do anything for him. He probably said to himself, wait, after they're filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, they're going to speak the word to you. You're going to be running. You're going to be shouting. You're going to be jumping. You're going to be free. That was in his heart. But he did not say one word to this certain man at the gate beautiful. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple? Ask on. He said, probably bakshish, 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 which means it was a term of begging, asking for money. As Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look at us. And he gave heed or gave attention to those expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Oh, you see that? Rise up and walk. But then he put the action to the prayer. He grabbed him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. How? Walking, leaping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they knew it was to set her arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at him, which had happened unto him. And as the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Peter didn't take anything. He said, no, we didn't do this. We didn't do this. It's by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we had this. He preached the message, the powerful message, beginning all that, beginning in verse 12 all the way through the end of that chapter all the way down to verse 26, talking about you kill the king of life. You do this, you do that. And then verse 16, and his name through faith, in his name, made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which is in by him hath given him this soundness in the presence of you all. ha. <laughs> And then he talks about repentance. He talks about the, the times. <laughs> oh, the times are refreshing. Brother and sister, when we release ourselves to our God, then the times of refreshing shall come. Look at verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's right. It, it sounds like a, a soliloquy here tonight. But anyway, I can. the angels are probably singing. You're rejoicing. I'm rejoicing. Others are rejoicing. Around the world, they're rejoicing. To what God is doing today in their hearts and lives, setting people free, setting their minds free, setting their hearts free, setting their lives free. The Bible says, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's exclamation point, exclamation point, which he has done and which he will continue to do. Now, all the way through the word of God, we saw the miracle power of 
God in full operation. We're seeing it greater than ever before because we're living in those times. We're living in those days. Now, I said I would tell about that story. It could take a little longer here about that story about Smith Wigglesworth. You've got to know that Smith Wigglesworth, a man anointed of God, very powerful, extremely strong in God, that at one time he belonged to the Salvation Army. He was not good at speech at that point in time. He stuttered. And so his wife was a captain in the Army, Salvation Army. And so uh, she would give the message, and he would pass out the songbooks. But he heard about some folks away from London area, and they heard that they had the power of Almighty God on them and through them and around them. And so inquisitively enough, he boarded a train and went to the other side, long distance, maybe a couple hours away. While he was on that train, he was praying and praying and praying and praying. Then when he finally got to the location where this was supposed to be, a man was talking, he interrupted the man and said, I want this Holy Ghost now. Imagine that. <laughs> to interrupt the service, take over, and say, I want this Holy Ghost now. He would not be quiet. So I said, okay, bring him here. It brought in the power of God hit him, I tell you. Sledgehammer. And he went down to the power of the Spirit of God. When he got up on the floor, he was speaking another language. So he got back on the train, went back home. He started talking about all these wonderful things, and he never missed a beat. His wife wondered and said, well, if you got so much of God, then you're going to preach Sunday morning. So what happens is that Smith Wigglesworth, he was placed up there to preach, and he first started off, he started off kind of slowly. But when he got about 10, 15 minutes into the message, power of God hit him, and he he began to preach <laughs> like a man from another world. And so his wife was sitting on the back row there in the church, and she kept on going up and down the row. She said, that's not my Smith. That's not my Smith. That's, that's his first name. That's not my Smith. That's not my Smith. So after that, they had such a great revival that his wife decided to sit down and let him do the preaching after that. That's what he did. He started doing the preaching. So he dedicated himself to the Lord to read the only book with the Bible. That was his dedication to God. He said, I will not read any other periodical. I'll not read any other book. I only want to read one book. It's called the Bible. That's what he read. And he got himself saturated with the Word of God, totally saturated by the power of God. And he'd read that word again and again and again. I don't know how many times he went through the word of God. Read it from all the way from Genesis to the Revelation. So many times. He memorized great portions of scripture. He lived on those scriptures. He just lived on those scriptures. He operated in those scriptures. So he had all kinds of people healed of all kinds of diseases. What I'm thinking about right now is in the last stages of cancer, this man with a patient and he was carried in by stretcher. His doctor came with him. And a very strange thing happened to Brother Wigglesworth. When he'd pray for you, he'd ask, where do you hurt? And you'd point there, and he, and it, he actually would physically hit you. Now, I'm glad I don't have that hitting gift. I'm glad. 
Anyway, he did, and they got healed. So this man was in the last stages of cancer. He pointed to the stomach. Smith hit him in the stomach. He fell off of the stretcher on his face. The doctor was so enraged, he said, we'll sue you, we'll sue you, we'll sue you. And he went down praying for everybody. He didn't even turn around. He kept on saying, he's healed, he's healed, he's healed, he's healed, he's healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. So about 10 minutes later, the patient that was on the stretcher off of the ground and started running. And the doctor was running behind him and said, this man had cancer. This was my patient. Now watch him. He's running. He's running. He's running. He's running. That got everybody's attention. That was one of the great things. When he started off, I mean, he was, he was a wild man. I tell you, my Lord, he was a wild man. And many people have asked me, did I ever know? No, because he passed away when I was one year old. That's how many years ago it was. He passed away in 1947. I was born in 46. So Dad knew him because of the relationship there. He would have conventions, and he would be there, and he'd uh, connect with Bill Sumrall, and he said, uh, you need to come to my house. So Dad went over there. He had a newspaper under his arm, and Dad rubbish and threw it under the tree. He wouldn't even let the newspaper in the house. And just before entering the house, he said, was during wartime, he said, Hitler will be dead and in hell soon. That's what Smith Wigglesworth said. So they walked in there. He read the word of God for hours and hours and hours. They prayed for him for several hours. And by the time he left there, he was, he was drunk in the spirit. Dad was drunk in the spirit. There was never a man like Smith Wigglesworth. So when you read all these things about him, I tell you, they're all true and more. Because he, he was up to them. So, this is what I wanted to tell you right here at this story here, which is totally amazing. And I'm talking above what we even ask or think. The Bible says he will bless us above, give us things above what we ask or even think. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, according to the power that worketh in you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So, we should not be surprised by the miracles we see. We should not be caught off guard for the miracles we see and enjoy. We all just thank God and thank God and thank God and thank God and give him praise, give him glory, give him honor, give him worship, bless his holy name and sing songs unto him. That's the way we need to receive. Receive with a grateful heart. Receive with every fiber of our body. So, as the days progressed, he was in a meeting. Smith Wavell was within me. And the gentleman came up. He only had one leg. And he said, would you pray for me, sir? Smith said, no, I won't. The people working with him said, that's the first time he's ever said no. Why? The man kept on standing. He said, uh, why? He said, will you do what I tell you to do, sir? The man said, yes, I will. He said, all right. When it comes to noon time tomorrow, go downtown London to a haberdashery. Now, that was a place where they had clothing and everything else that was that place called Haberdashery. And so he walked in there. He said, buy a new pair of shoes. So he walked in there at noontime, down in the circle. It'd be like just like going to Indianapolis and being down in that circle. If you've ever been down there, you know what I'm talking about. Stores all the way around the circle. 
Well, that's the way this was down in downtown London at the busiest time of the day. And so the gentleman walked in and says, I would like a pair of black shoes. Thank you. And so the clerk only bought him one shoe, brought him one shoe because he knew that the other was a stone. And so and so he argued with him for a while, and finally he went to the manager. He said, now, what am I going to do about this? This man he said, the customer is always right. Those in real jail, you know all about that. So anyway, he goes back, looks around there, gets his size, brings it out to him, checks it out. And so he takes the left shoe and puts it on the left foot, and it fits perfectly. Then he takes the other shoe, and he puts it on the stump. And while in the process of putting that shoe on the stump, God grows this man a leg in front of everybody. <laughs> That's a miracle I'm talking about. When we see those kinds of miracles, which we will, and we'll see more than you ever expect to see because we're living in the end times. And in these end times, you don't need to run from God. You need to run to God. If you have any sin in your life, ask Jesus to forgive you and cleanse it by his blood. Let his peace come to your mind. Let the joy of the Lord rise up inside of you. Let the glory of God come down upon you and set you free. Hallelujah. Again, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That means you're free. You can be free. You will be free. Those things. I don't care what kind of situation you have in your life. Like that song says, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Sung that song many, many years ago. But it's so true. He's our answer in life. He's our answer to anything and everything. As I speak to you right now, I want you to raise your hand and receive the blessing of the Lord. Receive his blessing right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every friend listening. All across the world in every country, wherever they're able to receive this transmission, I speak the power of God. I speak the anointing of the Lord. I speak the kingdom of God shall come down and touch them in a glorious and marvelous way. They will be set free in their soul, their mind, their will, thinking power, in their body, the five senses, and in their spirit, which makes communication to our God. Set them free right now by your power. By your glory, by your spirit, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. The glory is not for a man, it's just for you. As our hands are raised, and our hearts are raised to you. We thank you what you have done for us. We thank you, Lord. We feel your wonderful presence just enveloping us right now. Jehovah Shammah, I am the Lord that's here. Maybe some of you are in sorrow. Release your sorrow to him. 
Some of you are in the grief and in pain. All kinds of things. I'm, I'm feeling things in the spirit that the Lord has the answer for you. As my heart cries out to you, may his presence fill your life. Oh, hallelujah. Presence fill you. Let his glory come upon you and fill you. Set you free from every inclement situation of life. The blessings of the Father, the Father of the universe, the Son who gave his life, and the Holy Ghost, which is with us. The blessing will come upon every life, listening and receiving. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In the wonderful, holy, precious name of Jesus, the name that heaven never fails to honor, Jesus, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship him right now. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. You just release your spirit to him and say, I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Sing songs unto him. Bless his name. Let the glory of God. Oh, I feel it right now. I'm right in this room, room where I am right now. We call it the sanctuary because this room is dedicated to God. No eating, no drinking, just reading the word, studying the word, praising, worshiping God. This is the sanctuary right here. This place is the sanctuary. That's where it's coming from. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We magnify and bless your holy name. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we receive the blessings of the Lord in our hearts and lives. Save our neighbors. Save our loved ones. Destroy the work of the enemy in their life. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim. We proclaim the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, there was a great God. A great God. A great God. Thank you, Lord. May you have a dream and a vision that will inspire you. It will excite you. And you know that it's come from the throne of God. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I've got joy inside my spirit. I trust you have some of that same joy. It's been great being with you. And don't forget that Jesus loves you. God bless each and every one. Bye. powerful, Dr. Frank. It's been awesome. The anointing is so strong. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Amen. He gets that way. Yeah. That was wonderful. Hallelujah. I get so much out of your teachings and learning a lot. Well, the teacher, the teacher is the Holy Ghost. He gives us things to say, which sometimes we have written down, and sometimes they just come out of our spirit. So it's life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and life more abundantly. So the abundance of life, the effervescence of life, You know, a river, get this, a river 
can only be stopped by someone damming it up. When you release the rocks and the trees or whatever might be damming the river up, then the river begins to flow. So in our lives, we have to keep the pipeline open to God. Keep your pipeline open and receive <laughs> and receive uh-huh. and receive and receive. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Dr. Frank, we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much again for coming here. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that was very, very powerful. It always is uh, when Dr. Frank Summerall joins us and just really when the Holy Ghost joins us because as Dr. Frank was saying, It's not us, it's the Holy Ghost who's the teacher. Sometimes we write down what the Holy Spirit says, and sometimes it's just something that the Holy Spirit brings to us at the time that he quickens to us. So it's just been wonderful, wonderful teaching, and and, uh, um, it's just, it's been wonderful. Um, uh, the anointing is very, very strong in here. Dr. Frank Summer was talking about how he felt a lot of people were grieving or brokenhearted. And I, after he said that, I looked up a couple of quick scriptures on, on the brokenhearted and, um, just to pray for those people and pray these scriptures over you. And knowing, uh, let's go to Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So we just I just speak those over anybody who is dealing with grief, sorrow, broken heart, whether it's from things in the past or things that have just happened, we speak peace. Peace beyond your understanding. And I thank you, Father, for touching them. And forgiving them joy. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I thank you, Father, right now that you are the healer of the brokenhearted. That you bind up their wounds. And I thank you, Lord, that you are near to those that have a broken heart. And that you save such as have a contrite spirit. And Father, I just thank you right now that you, you sent us the Comforter. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our Comforter. You're more than just our Comforter. You're everything. You are what we need at that moment, but you're our friend and you're our Comforter. And I thank you for comforting those 
who are grieving and those who have a broken heart or who are just sad in some way. I thank you, Holy Ghost, for ministering to everybody out there listening uh, now live or by way of rerun in the archives, wherever it is that they listen from. And I thank you for touching their lives and giving them peace and whatever it is that they need. Minister only the way that they need to be ministered to. And I thank you for that. I thank you that that you know exactly, exactly what we need, Holy Ghost. I thank you that you know exactly what we need. And I thank you for touching our lives, their lives, listening, and going where the knife of man cannot go and doing a work in their hearts, in my heart, like only you can, Holy Ghost. I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. I was making some notes as to when Dr. Frank was was speaking, when he was teaching, and I came up with some things. One of them was when he was talking about it says in, you bear with me here, looking for that one scripture where it talks about in Isaiah 53.5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And Dr. Frank was talking about that and how, what a horrific way that the Romans just just whipped people. And it was a horrible, well, horrific, horrible doesn't even, even, it was just terrible what they did to people. And I know I've played this on, on another show, but I it, it bears repeating, I feel, especially after what Dr. Frank was shared, had shared earlier. And um, it talks about the crucifixion. It's, a, it's actually a medical examiner who is speaking about the torture that Jesus went through in the whipping, in that, and in the torture that he went through on the cross was for you, and it was for me. If you had been the only one in the world, Jesus still would have died for you and gone through that torture. That is love right there. And Jesus took our sicknesses upon himself. Every sickness that ever was, were, or to ever be upon himself. And by his stripes, you and I are healed. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play that audio. 
And I pray that Jesus touch your heart right now. I'm going to play it. Hold on. It's the most important event in history. What did it feel like? One weekend that split time into before and after. What did it look like if you believe it defines your whole existence? What really happened? But how much do you really know about the cross? Any illustrations I saw of the crucifixion were of a fairly placid uh, Jesus looking down in pity from the cross. This was not a this was not a pretty picture. Dr. Carl McCurdy has studied Jesus' crucifixion and has filled in many scientific details that the Bible leaves out. Jesus allowed himself to suffer. And, uh, and uh, I can't imagine a worse way to worse way to die. Jesus said, This is your hour when darkness reigns. Luke twenty two, fifty two and fifty three. Thursday night, April sixth. 30 A.D. Most historians agree this is the date of Jesus' arrest. Pilate had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Mark 15, 15. For prisoners sentenced to crucifixion, the first step was flogging. The Romans used a whip called a flagrum. It was specially designed to rip the skin off a prisoner's back. They had it down to an arm. The iron would make bruises. But then these pieces of bone would begin to cut, to cut and cut into the skin and would result in, uh, in lacerations all the way down the muscle. The, uh, the pain would be uh, intense and unrelenting. The point of the scourging was to bring the victim as close to exhaustion and as close to death as possible before actually the The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. Then they struck him on the head again and again. Matthew 27, 29, and 30. Next, for Jesus, a special punishment. The thorns themselves were most likely several inches long and horribly painful. The face and the scalp have probably the best blood supply of any, uh, any area of You also have the, some of the most some nerves, some of the greatest the number of nerves, nerves uh, in the skin that would be on, be on the scalp and the face. Uh, again, uh, intense, sharp pain. They seized Simon of Cyrene, put the cross on him, and made him carry it. Luke 23, 26. It weighed between 80 and 110 pounds. And knowing that Jesus could not carry what the Romans called the patibulum gives clues about the beating he'd already suffered. One thing that we see in trauma is that a young person, a person who's in good condition, may be much closer to death than we think from the blood loss. So even though Jesus at this point was stumbling and, uh, and could, remain could remain upright, Probably very near the edge of, uh, of total circulatory collapse. He went out to the place of the skull, and here they crucified him. John 19:17. Crucifixion was a relatively bloodless process. The nails Romans used resembled railroad spikes. There was one pounded through both feet, and one hammered through each wrist. A nail or spike through the palm would never 
hold the weight uh, of a body. The spike inserted through here would uh, would get right in the middle of those uh, wrist bones and would uh, um, would enable the uh, the body to be suspended by the strength of those of those uh, those ligaments. The pain would be like hot liquid. It would be a hot shooting pain back up the arm. It would leave the hand in a claw shape and paralyzed. Death on a cross had little to do with nails. Instead, crucifixion normally meant death by suffocation. The only way you can adequately breathe would be to push up with the impaled feet, pull up with the arms in order to breathe, and then sag down again and exhaust. And obviously, every time that happened, there was intense pain in the arm. The scourged back would rub against the, uh, uh, the rough wood of the cross. The uh, impaled feet would also have their own nerve pain and, and pain shooting up the legs. Uh, and it would be pure agony to simply take a breath. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Mark 15:37. Crucifixion often took days, but Jesus died quickly, and as the loud cry suggests, he also died suddenly. A catastrophic terminal event is a pathologist's phrase to mean that something happened all of a sudden to cause death. And my feeling would be that, that his scourging was so intense, the blood loss that preceded the uh, crucifixion was so intense that that shortened the uh, length of time uh, of the crucifixion. And in this case, the final event was, uh, as I'm sure, either a normal heart rhythm or his heart simply stopped. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a new tomb, and they laid Jesus there. John 19, 41 and 42. On April 7, 30 A.D., the world turned dark. Jesus is dead. Friday is over. But Sunday is coming. What a what an act of love. And Jesus, he could have willingly he could have he could have when 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 Satan tempted him and showed him he took him up on the high mountain, showed him everything showed him all the cities, showed him everything that he could have had and power over that Satan could have given him that Satan had rightful authority to, to give him because Adam, when he sinned with Eve and in the garden, then he could have given him, he gave Satan authority basically. And so Satan could have given Jesus all of those things of the world. He could have given him riches, power, if Jesus would have bowed down to him. And Jesus could have done that. It wouldn't have been a temptation if he could not have given into it. But thank God that Jesus did not give into that temptation. Thank God that Jesus, even, 
even when he was sweating great drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In all of that, he was obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. And I'm grateful, forever grateful for what Jesus did. He took our sins, our sicknesses, our shame, our pains, everything. And he bought, he bought our freedom. He paid it with his blood. That's why it's very important to have communion, the Holy Communion, and to take part in that and to remember the suffering that Jesus endured for the love of you and the love of me. It's important to take the communion and in taking it, it is the symbol the bread which symbolizes the broken body, the body that was broken for us, and the and the healing that because Jesus because he paid that price that you and I are healed. We were healed to over two thousand years ago. And with when we partake of the blood, the blood is this, I mean, the, when we partake of the, the wine or the grape juice, which really Christians, uh, they should not be drinking alcohol. I know it's a debatable thing. It's another show. But when they t- take part of the, the grape, grape juice, then that is a symbol of the blood of Jesus. And the blood protects us from all evil the blood and that was that was uh, that's what the Israelites put on their doors on on Passover and so that the angel that was going to kill all the firstborn would pass over their house today you know that blood the blood of Jesus everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of what was to come in the New Testament, Jesus and everything. It's just, it's a wonderful thing to study out. And when you realize what exactly it's a, a, a type and shadow of and the events that took place, you'd be amazed and you just never look at it the same way again. I want to give you the studio call-in number that you can call. We have about 40 minutes left if you would like to call. And it is area code 646-668-2093. That's 646-668-2093. If you have any questions or comments or prayer requests or testimonies, we'd love to hear from you. You know, and uh, um, when Brother Frank was sharing, 
he was um, when he was teaching, he was talking about about confession. And um, when he talked, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> On the east coast of Florida's Kennedy Space Center, launching shuttles into outer space. Right here in Tampa, Florida, the west coast of Florida is a launch pad launching revivalists into the 21st century around the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you feel the call of God on your life, now we've got two schools here, the one called the River Bible Institute, the other one, the River School of Worship. And if you feel called to preach the gospel, the River Bible Institute is for you. If you're called in the music ministry and worship, the River School of Worship is for you. So don't put it off for another day or month. Sign up today. In 1997, Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown launched the River Bible Institute. The vision is plain, to train men and women in the spirit of revival for ministry in the 21st century. Since its opening day, the River Bible Institute has been a launching pad for ministries to be sent to the far-flung corners of the globe. Until now, to be a student, to sit under the anointing and teaching, you needed to travel to Tampa, Florida. But get ready. In 2011, RBI goes online and comes to you. We're getting ready to release an anointed program of study that you can take at your own pace and in the comfort of your own home. Now you sit under the same teaching and experience the same anointing as the students in Tampa. In our initial program, you study stewardship, knowing the person of the Holy Spirit and the anointing. If relocating to Tampa hasn't been possible for you, if leaving your place of work has been a barrier, then RBI Online is for you. RBI Online, launching early 2011. Register your interest today. And there you have about the Bible colleges actually having... Um, had to play those audios. They're handy to have um, to to have by you when you have uh, start coughing. Nobody likes to hear coughing, <laughs> so I I have some audios there. But it's a good time to tell you real quick on a side note that they're having revival week that started this week for um, RBI students coming in or people who are interested. What RBI is. River Bible Institute and they have River School of Worship or River School of Government and so they are they are awesome schools I did two years uh, of, of that college I have an associate in, in theology it was a wonderful wonderful experience I, I've not, I'm not the same person that I was 
when I walked in the doors. So I would recommend that if you feel you have the call of God on your life or you feel like the Lord is speaking to you about going to Bible college, then this is the school for you. You can call 866-857-4837 and uh, just let them know you're interested in Bible college and either River School of Worship or the, the River Bible Institute or the River School of Government. They're giving out scholarships for for the river for the for the Bible college and for the worship college, but not for the um uh school of government. But uh if it's God's will, just believe him and have faith and he will make a way. In fact that was one of the things that um I was gonna talk about before I had a little coughing fit there, but I was gonna talk to you about confessions. One of the things that uh, Brother Frank was speaking of <clears throat> confession, and uh, you know when he spoke the word of God over his life when he was in the hospital there, and he asked the nurse to shut the door, and then he stood up and you heard him give the testimony. He he started talking, he quoted scripture, and he he just told he just said that thing was not going to take him out. The important thing is he, he he quoted the scripture, and you know, with confession, it's a it's it's a way of um, it's a it's a way of releasing your faith, um, and it also increases your faith because faith comes by hearing, as it says in Romans ten seventeen. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And also, when you're confessing, you're hearing it. So when you, whatever it is that you're confessing in your life that you're believing God for, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, as I just said. But the the um, the 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 way that you know our own voice hearing our own self say something um from the word of god is the is one of the be- is actually the the best way because um but um this is here when uh, i mean like if cuz if you keep on thinking and saying it the word of god it'll it'll eventually get inside of you which is a good thing it's a good thing to have that inside us and uh, faith is actually a matter of full persuasion. Because really, if if the word of God or it becomes old to us or if church becomes routine, services, just mundane, if it's just old to us, then really it, it's not really real to us. And actually, faith is not just saying it, it's not just saying something. It, it's not just saying it's actually believing, because we can't talk doubt and unbelief. 
Um, because, you know, faith calls those things that are not as though they were. And faith, it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we just have to remember that when we're confessing, you know, we're confession is will help us with our faith and eventually get inside our spirit. And then when a symptom attacks our body, then we can we can bind it. Like when, when I started coughing, I put the microphone on mute and I put on the audios for the Bible college. I, I bound it <clears throat> and I said, I bind you, you choking devil. I, I command you to get your hands off me in the name of Jesus. You don't have any power over me. Jesus' name is above your name. I command that choking devil to go in the name of Jesus. I bind it now in the name of Jesus. And I loose the healing anointing on me right now and on my throat in the name of Jesus. That's exactly what I did when you were listening to RBI commercials. Because I have the authority to do that because I'm a believer and Jesus gave me that authority and if you're a believer, he gave you that authority as well. You have the authority to, to do the same thing. Faith. It's in Mark 6, 5 through 6. It says, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. So as Dr. Frank mentioned earlier in in the book of Mark, Jesus could do he couldn't he could do hardly anything there because of their lack of faith, because of their unbelief. You know, it's an interesting to note that 12 of the 19 people healed in Jesus' ministry were healed by their own faith. So that's 12 out of 19 people. That's pretty, that says a lot right there. Only five people. I mean, only seven people. Were, were healed by somebody else's faith, like the the man that that uh, the five his five friends tore up the roof and let him down because let him down there. I don't, if you've heard the story with the the man, I, I can look up the scripture, but the the man was his his friends were were uh, were just they wanted him healed really bad and so they lowered him down they couldn't get in where Jesus was teaching because um it was just packed and so these five people they just let him they let him you know they they tore up the roof basically to get him to Jesus so And and he got uh, he got healed, and that's in Luke five. So if you turn with me in your Bibles 
to Luke 5, the book of Luke, and 5 talks about... um, It starts at verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed to the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When When he saw their faith, he said to them, Jesus said to them, man, Your sins are forgiven you. Now, this doesn't say when Jesus saw the man's faith. It says when he saw their faith, when he saw the friend's faith. So there were were people that were healed by other people's faith, but not very many of them. I can think of um, the centurion's faith. Uh, his servant, who was like a son to him, was was healed by his faith. And and he he didn't even feel worthy to have Jesus go under his roof. But none nonetheless, he was uh, he said send your word. And uh, and he will be healed. And that is in, well, it's in, uh, you can actually go to either, well, why don't we go to Matthew 8, 5 through 13. That, that story, um, that's it says, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, <clears throat> I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. I would say that that was one of the people that somebody else's Somebody else was healed by their faith. I mean, he said he had not found such faith in all of Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he didn't even find that faith in Israel. Because he said, surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So other people's faith, it was it was rare, but it, I mean, out of the 12 of the, of the 19 people, they were healed, that were healed in Jesus' ministry, as I said a few moments ago. They were healed by their own faith. If we need, if you know, as as we as I've stated, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So, if since we need faith for healing, we're going to need to hear what the word word says about healing. Now you can get different. Uh, you can get a audio. You can get an MP3 or CD with all the scriptures on it, and just play it. Put it on loop or put it on repeat, and just play it continuously. And you don't have to just play a healing CD when you're sick. Play it when you're well too. Because if you play it when you're well, chances are you're not going to have a symptom attack your body. And even if it does, it's going to go pretty quick because you've been listening to healing scriptures and feeding feeding your spirit man with the healing scriptures. And you can also research the scriptures on healing Write them on three by five cards, quote them, have them always before your 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 eyes. You know, it says um Joshua uh Joshua I believe it was that said your word have I have I uh put had you know, not how let me just like look that up because <laughs> I know that um <clears throat> but with with the healing scriptures It says I was saying you can look those, you can write them, you can you can put them you can you can tape them on your mirror. And it's it's a, it it goes for anything. If if it's not it's not just um healing scriptures. It can be any scripture that you're believing God for. 
And I apologize, it was the book of Psalms. That's why I wanted to look it up. And that's in Psalm 119.11. It says, Thy word have I hid in my mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And so when you hide the word in your heart, <clears throat> as regarding healing scriptures, then you're going to have that pop up the next time something tries to attack you. You know, attack your body. Uh, we have about 18 minutes left. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the call in number is 646 668 That is 646 668 That is 646-668-2093. Now, as as Dr. Frank has called this series, he's called it Healing is the Children's Bread, as you well know, and he's referred quite often to the the woman who, who asked for the healing and deliverance for her daughter. And Jesus uh, referring, you know, calling her um, a dog and then saying that that healing is the children's bread. But she she was very persistent in her faith and said that even the the dogs eat from the crumbs off the table. And as you know, a crumb contains every ingredient that the whole loaf has in it. And, and, you know, there's a big connection between humility and faith and, also, you know, also healing. Because the humble person, they can adjust and make changes that the Lord may speak to them about. And Jesus, he said that that woman that was seeking the healing for her daughter, the one that was called the dog, he said she had great faith. And two characteristics of great faith are humility and persistence. She could have said, you call me a dog. I don't believe you call me a dog. You're calling me a dog? I mean, it takes humility to just, just say, but I'll take the crumb and the persistence that she had in order for her her daughter to be healed because she persisted until she got what she what she needed by faith. A lot of times, people they want healing, but they don't always want to do what's involved in the healing because. They get close to God and to getting healed, but then they go back to their old ways. Like, for example, they could they could maybe, you know, they'll start eating right again, or maybe for the first time they'll cut out junk food. But then their flesh gets in the way, and they... They go back to their, their old way of life, and then when that happens... Uh, we just we need to do our part as well. We can go in a healing line, have the man of God or the woman of God heal, pray over us, 
we can actually get healed, but then when that happens and we go back to eating junk food, then it's not always gonna it's not always gonna work. We have to do our part basically. We have a caller on the line. I'm gonna go ahead and answer that call and see if they would like to talk. Hold on, please. Hello, welcome to Fire Talk Radio, uh, area code 405. Uh, welcome to Fire Talk Radio. How, what, what's your name and where are you calling from? This is Donna, and I'm calling from Zephyr Hills, Florida. Hi, Donna. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Deborah. I've been enjoying the show, and I just wanted to make a comment. You know, you've been talking about speaking the word and about, you know, your confessions and everything. And, you know, when we think about it, the Word of God tells us that we were created in God's image, and God spoke everything there is into existence. So when we speak, if we're not speaking the right things, we can speak curses on ourselves, we can speak sickness on ourselves, but we can also speak health to us. The spoken word is so powerful, no matter what we speak, but whether it's good or bad, when we're speaking it over ourselves, it can can and will come to pass. I totally agree. That's, that's, that's That's a really awesome note there because that it is life and death are in the power of the tongue and he who who likes it you know loves shall eat the fruit thereof. So That's right. I mean, That's and, right. Yes, and I, I believe you have a couple of really powerful healing testimonies, don't you? I do. I've had uh you know, the Lord has healed, touched and healed me several times mightily in my life and even my, my youngest daughter she suffered from terminal brain cancer, was given six weeks to live, has actually been pronounced dead seven times, and God has raised her up, has totally healed her. At the age of three, we were told that she maybe would make it six weeks when she will be 27 next month, and it's doing wonderful, and it's all by the the, the wonderful, miraculous power of God. You know, even the doctors shake their head when they see her still and say, there is nothing that we have done. It's nothing we could have done. There's no way that man could do this. It has to be by God. And God also healed me from fibromyalgia and lupus. And then I suffered a, a severe stroke while I was going to Bible college. And the Lord totally healed me, raised me up out of the wheelchair. I was able to finish school and have been able to continue working in in the ministry and ministering for him without any problems without any side effects uh, no pain no no nothing god is good i i that is so so powerful my goodness seven times wow yes yes he he is awesome and you know he is he's no respecter of persons what he's done for one of us he will do for every one of us he wants wants us to walk in in health and in prosperity in every area of our lives. I agree with that, and he definitely paid the price. And just, I mean, he's he's El Shaddai. He's got it more than enough. He wants us to be in good health, and he wants us to prosper even as our soul prospers. That's right. Amen. And, and I just, uh, I don't know, I, I was thinking about how you were talking about how the spoken word and how we can speak curses over ourselves and not maybe not even realize we're doing it because we it just might be a habit or 
somebody could, for example, say, oh, their back is killing them or somebody's driving them insane or something like that. They didn't even realize that our words have power. Amen. Amen. We need to, you know, we need to watch what we say and be careful and, you know, saying, you know, that I, I, I feel good, I have strength, I have energy, I have no pain, even if you aren't feeling that at that time, that is not, you know, walking around lying, that is speaking words of faith to where we will start to see what we're speaking come about in our in our lives. I, I know a, a gentleman that's a pastor now, and, he, you know, he told me that there was a time in his life where he used to walk around all the time saying, I am so tired. I just don't know, you know, how I'm going to make it. I'm so tired. And his wife kept getting on to him and telling him, you know, quit talking that over yourself. And he did. He finally, it took a long time, but he finally learned to start saying, you know, praise God, I, I, I have the, the, the strength of, of Jesus in me. Praise God, I'm not tired. Praise God, I have the energy to do what I needed. And after just a very short time, he found that he did have the energy. He wasn't tired all the time. He wasn't needing to go lay down and take naps and all like he had been there for a while when he changed the way he spoke over his life. Wow, that's awesome because that's so true. And you're right. It's not lying. It's not that we're lying. We're speaking words of faith. We're speaking those things into existence. That's right. And, and you know, when you were talking about him being tired, I remember in, in Bible college, they were um, <clears throat> one of the pastors, they were saying how it's very important what we speak, because, well, of course, we hear that a lot in church, but they were talking about how if I say, oh, I'm really, really tired, then our bodies actually feel that a lot more when we say it out loud. But if we say, you know, um, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in me, he'll quicken my my body and you know that that is a difference because our body hears what we say that's why if we talk to something that's needing healing if we have a headache and we speak to that headache to go or if we have some kind of damage in our body like if we have a uh, even a sore or something speaking to that you know to be healed or I thank you Lord that this is healing right now I thank you that's getting strength like you're talking about because there's a lot of power in words. It's like God created the the world, as you said. In Genesis, God said, God said, God said, God said. Everywhere you look is God said. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, you know, uh, it, I'm reminded of what Pastor Todd used to tell us in, in, in when we were in school, that, you know, the one thing that he always tried to make sure that he got across to us as students was, the greatest voice of faith that you'll ever hear in your life is your own. That's right, and I'm glad you said that because I I, I was trying to remember the the slogan right there because I, I was talking about the yeah you're exactly right that's yes because we we are you know faith even though we can listen to maybe other CDs of other speakers and things like that for healing CDs or. Our own is the most is the greatest voice, like you said, that we'll ever hear of faith. That's right, and it and it and you know and it and it's true. It seems so simple, and and really it is. If we would just watch what what we speak over our lives, over our families, you know, you can see it even in the natural. 
if you you know you you can go and you can look at kids that are grow up and get in trouble and and are in all kinds of trouble with the law and everything and they go in and they send counselors in and they spend a lot of time trying to get to the root of what started these kids down the wrong road and they'll find out that you know uh the parents used to tell them when they were little bitty all the time you know you're 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 useless you're never going to amount to anything you're going to end up dead or in prison and that's exactly what happened to them because that was spoken over them constantly. And so, you know, it really is important that we speak the word of God in over our own lives and into our family's lives. I completely agree with you on that because I know a story of, of um, th- this family that had two girls and one boy, and they kept saying, Oh, he's always around the girls, and and he's going he's going to be playing with dolls. You know, since he's around girls so much, he's going to end up gay. And they said that continually. Well, guess what happens? Yep. Yes, he turned out gay. Not that we're bashing anybody. That's that. But obviously, you know, sin is sin. God doesn't hate gay people. I mean, he just he doesn't he hates the sin, but he doesn't hate gay people. But the the curse there came from them continually saying that throughout that person's life. That's right. And they didn't even realize what they were doing. Nope. Nope. But uh, you know, I know I know a situation that was exactly like that, and everybody, even people in the neighborhood, would see this little boy playing at you know five and six years old and they because he did play with the other little girls because that was all that he had around him they would say the same thing and it was spoken over his life so much that by the time he was a teenager he had turned to homosexuality it's it's just it's just wild how how our words i mean they're so powerful i mean we've got We've got such power in them as, as you know, God gave us the authority. And I think, but when he cursed the fig tree and how just immediately it was, it was, it shriveled up. And I know that, I know that Pastor Rodney was saying one time how he's doing a demonstration. I don't know if it was a class or if it was just a, a, one of the church services that he was at. And he was saying that he, just as a demonstration, he walked up to the fig tree and he cursed the fig tree because he's trying to make an illustrative sermon. The next day, it it, it shriveled up and wilted. Yep. <laughs> he was, and, he, you know, uh, Deborah, I thought a lot about the story of Jesus cursing the fig tree. And, you know, I, I think there's probably several things that we can get out of that story. But one of the things that always bothered me about that was um, – you know, Jesus could have blessed that that fig tree, and had he have done that, there would have immediately been figs on it. And I often wondered, you know, well, why did he curse it to where it withered up and died? And the Lord spoke to me one time, and he said to me, he said, I was showing you how powerful your words are even when you're speaking curses, when you're speaking the negative. Because he could have. He could have very easily, as easily as he cursed that fig tree, he could have actually blessed that fig tree, and it would automatically produce the fruit. Right. But instead, he cursed it, and it withered up and died. Wow. There's power in our words. We've got, like, about 
two and a half minutes left, and um, I just want to. Uh, I, I want. I'm so glad that you called, Donna, and I, I want you to um, call back next week if you're able to. Maybe call a bit back earlier, maybe, and we can get a little uh, dialogue going if you'd like. Okay. Well, I, I, w- I will try to. Okay. I just wanted to give an invitation for people, so I, I have about two two minutes and twenty seconds to do it. But I'm so glad you called. You can hold on the line if you like to while I'm doing that. It's up to you. Okay, I'll go ahead and go, and I'll just finish listening. But thank you so much, Deborah. I've enjoyed thank it you, tonight. God. Praise God. I'm glad. God bless you. Thanks for calling so much. Bless you. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Um, uh, i just like to let everybody know who doesn't know, if nobody's ever told you that God loves you and has a great plan for your life, I want to let you know right now God has a great plan for your life. And if you were to die at this very second and you're not sure that you would go to heaven, The Holy Bible reads, we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you'd like to be sure you're going to go to heaven, just mean it with your heart and repeat after me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me. Of my sins, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. And I want to tell you right now, all your sins are forgiven you. In the name of And Father God, I call right now for a crop failure of every negative word, every curse spoken over people's lives from other people or by themselves that they did out of ignorance. And I thank you for that crop failure in the name of Jesus. I give you glory for that, and I thank you for all the healings. I thank you that you're the God that is the God who is more than enough. And I just I want to give you glory, Father, and bless all those listening with 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 long lives and heal their bodies from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to let everybody know you are loved, you are valuable, you are accepted of the beloved. And until we meet again next week, next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'll see you then. You are loved. Bye. You can't run to refuge or take cover on a coaster because at Hollow Scream, the scare is everywhere. This year at Bush Garden, there's terror at every turn. With seven haunted houses, five scare zones, and coasters in the dark. Bush Garden's Hollow Screen. Enjoy it while you last. <laughs> Tickets start at just thirty nine ninety nine.